Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and on today's episode, I had the pleasure of speaking to stand-up comedian TJ. TJ was on the show today to talk about his perspective growing up, his decision to pursue stand-up comedy, and his stand-up special, January 3rd, which is available on demand on Amazon Prime to purchase or rent. We had a great conversation about quarantine, about life, about storytelling structure in, in comedy. Just an overall really great conversation. I enjoyed my time with TJ, and I look forward to having him back on the show because he was an absolute delight. Um, if you've been following the show for a while now, you know that our purpose here at the Detox Podcast is we are a podcast that aims to make a more inclusive world by having these conversations that give us new perspectives and allow us to detox from the world around us, get a window into how other people live their lives, and just overall grow and be better. And TJ's story and his perspective help along that journey. And I just I am incredibly excited every time I get to have one of these episodes and get to talk to people about what they do, their journey, who they are. It's fantastic. Um, so that, you know, we're all about being your true and authentic self, which brings us to today's sponsor of the podcast, Snuffy. Snuffy is a clothing brand about empowering you to show your weird unapologetically with bravery and confidence. 10% of profit goes to LGBTQ plus organizations led by trans people of color. Shop online now at snuffy.co. That's snuffy, S-N-U-F-F-Y dot C-O. The owner and operator of Snuffy is great friend of the podcast, Nick Silvestri. He designed the Detox Podcast logos. So if you like the logos, you want to go support him, go check it out at snuffy.co. Now, my conversation with TJ will be right up after this. What's going on? My name is Joe Shaw, and I host the music podcast After the Encore. After the Encore is a long-form career retrospective podcast that takes you behind the music of some of your favorite artists. Musicians like John Oates of Holland Oates, Chris Kirkpatrick of NSYNC, and Jarrett Reddick of Bowling for Soup, and many others. Each season of the podcast is themed around a different topic, like the boy bands of the 90s, badass women in music, or even artists that were featured on the TV show, The Voice. I am committed to taking you deep inside an artist's mind to find out why they do what they do, what does music mean to them, and how do they quantify success. We tell an overarching story which will take you not only behind the music, but into the psyche of the artists themselves. After the Encore is a proud member of the Roberts Media Group podcast family. Check us out on any of your favorite podcast platforms today. Welcome back to Detox Podcast. With me at this time is stand-up comedian extraordinaire, TJ. TJ, how are you doing today? 
I'm doing fantastic, man. Thank you for having me, Joe. It's a pleasure to be on the podcast, and I'm looking forward to chatting with you. Yeah, I'm super excited. We were chatting a little bit uh, before we got started, but I caught your stand-up special. So here's the plug right at the beginning, if you're listening to it. If you are liking this conversation, which I know you do. That's the best place to put the plug. I love it. Right? You need to go watch TJ's stand-up. It is on Amazon Prime. Is it January 3rd? Is that the... That is correct. January 3rd. That's right. And you will not be disappointed. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, There's a couple jokes in there that had me rolling. There's a specific, specific, uh, I'll I'll say this, a well-constructed joke, uh, as you say, uh, which was uh, really got me rolling. And, uh, and I, I loved it. So I, I won't give any of the bits away. Go, go watch it. Uh, it's on Amazon prime. You can rent it or buy it and uh, you will not be disappointed, but I want to know, I want to start out by asking you, mm-hmm. so so as listeners of the Detox Podcast know, we're committed to making a more inclusive world by inviting people to quote unquote detox from the world around them and get a window into how other people live their lives. But I like to kind of yeah. level set the conversation, ask my guests, TJ, what are you currently detoxing from? Ooh, that's a good question, actually. I don't think, I can't remember the last time I was asked this question. <laughs> what am I detoxing from? Mm-hmm. Hmm. What were my crutches? Um, I'm sort of detoxing from quarantine and what it became. Yeah. Which is all right. This sort of a a mindset of we don't know what's gonna happen. We don't know what's in store. We don't know what the future holds. So maybe just stay in and not do much just hang out we have no idea what's going on right which is in some ways you know it's it's understandable but also that's sort of how the world always is we never know what's gonna happen but right. we're still living anyway right. <laughs> but you know there was a global pandemic so there was just more fear and more trepidation and you know we we're trying to figure it out so i guess we're all t- trying to detox from that I definitely drank a lot more than I normally do. So (laughs) I'm pretty sure I'm not alone in (laughs) that. That was just what quarantine did to everybody. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So I'm trying to, you know, relax on that. I'm I'm like, right now it's winter and I'm back in the gym just because I I picked up bike riding during the the summer and the fall. And then now it's a little cold, so I can't really do that. So just doing that. Yeah. Detoxing from that a little bit. And detoxing from, can you detox from an idea? Oh, yes, absolutely. Okay, well, in a way, I would say I'm detoxing from the idea of control. Mm. Especially when when you, uh, for me, it's just show business has a lot to do with letting go of that because you make things, you create things, and... You want it to go out there and you have your perfectly neat little idea of how it's going to come out and how people are going to feel about it. And then you wake up and you realize, well, that's not how life works. Right. You're not in control of that. The only thing you control is you making it and then you make it as good as you can and then you put it out there. Yes. The rest of it is not up to you. Yeah. So you let whatever needs to happen, happen. And whatever happens, you have to embrace it and be okay with it. So just letting go of that and controlling what I can, because COVID in a way was like a huge dream killer. I mean, I had so many things I was planning to do, 
this yeah. past year and none of them got done right. obviously <laughs> yeah. but as human beings we, we gotta find a way to just still find joy in life even though our plans got thwarted so right yeah i think that's where letting go of control comes in like i'm not in control of this right yeah so i can't do the things that i wanted to do well let me go find something else to do and still find joy and enjoy my life right. so that's that's the idea that i'm playing with and detoxing from the idea of control i like that you know you brought up a couple of good points there i think one of them thinking about in like you talked about what quarantine became right because i think at the beginning it was a lot of like hey this is just temporary i'm using air quotes right well six get, weeks get at back most. to normal let's yeah. just hang out let's just watch a bunch of tv let's just not go anywhere we got this and i i think no everyone was too scared to say this is probably a long-term thing and we need to plan long term and not short term yeah i was having conversations with my friends and they were talking about work and they were saying things like yeah this remote has been difficult but i've been I've been making it work until we get back in the office. And I'm like, when are you realistically getting back into an office? And they're like, I don't know. They keep they keep giving us like six week updates. I'm like, I think that might is, you know, you might be looking at 2021, maybe 2022, depending. And it really hit me one day when I heard a scientist give a lecture and say he broke it down via stats. And this is before we had any vaccine. And he talked about how mm -hmm. if depending on when we get a vaccine, then that will determine, you know, the rollout and then herd immunity. And he talked about we may not get to as places as a society where we have herd immunity until about 2022, maybe spring to summer 2022, based on like actually distributing it. And, you know, it was a lot of assumptions. And that was when the assumption was that vaccine wouldn't even be available to like spring 2021. So that timetable could have shifted. But his point was it takes so many months after you start get, distributing a vaccine to get herd immunity. So the idea yes. that we have this like, oh, we just need to have a temporary mindset about this is was was a lie we were telling ourselves, because I think the truth was difficult to accept. Yes. And, and that feeds into your point about control. We want to be able to control these things. When in reality, as you pointed out, we've ne we never, we rarely have control over yeah. anything except our yeah. own situations. So nothing's changed. It's just a little like, hey, let's also like not go out and mingle because there's a deadly virus. That's all. That's the only thing that's different about Pretty that. much. And, Pretty much. We're and, very good yeah. at that, human beings. We're right. very good at uh, lying to ourselves. Right. So we don't have to face the actual reality that we may not like. So we may just make up a story and we enjoy it. We go with it. Right. I was yeah. having this conversation with someone the other day and we were talking about uh, different people going out into the world, wearing masks or not wearing masks, getting in gatherings or not. And, and a friend of mine got so upset about a mutual friend who was going out, having parties, being real public about like, there's not a, a virus, like this is all a lie, that kind of stuff. And I said, let's take a step back and let's take a look at the fact that our friend that we're upset with, she is a small business owner and her livelihood is currently threatened by, yes. by these new lockdowns. So she's telling herself, so I think she's aware of it, but she's telling herself there can't be a virus because if I accept the the idea that there is a virus and that this is serious and we've got to have lockdowns, then I'm accepting the fact that I may not have any income, any revenue stream, a house, all this stuff. And that's a reality she didn't want to accept. And I was like, so for her, 
This is the narrative she's had to construct to make it through a day, right or wrong, right? But it's just, that's the perspective. And it's, it's like you said, we tell ourselves lies all the time to try and get through another day. And the thing is, people's uh, narratives and lie that they tell themselves are usually just self-interested. Yes, exactly. It's very hard for us to get out of a little bubble and then think about the world at large. Everybody's right. trying to survive with their own little circle of compassion. Yes. I'm sure your friend isn't a bad person. In her mind, like, I got to feed my family and yep. I got to pay my bills. Yep. And this thing threat threatens my business exactly so i have to believe it's not real right exactly and i get that and i think a lot there are a lot of people who feel that way but no one is talking to them on that level instead of just saying oh you're an idiot because you don't think the virus is real right exactly that's 100 percent right um but man it's it's interesting how we we construct these 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 ideas for ourselves to try and maintain some measure of control. Um, but it's, but it's so difficult. I want to, I want to, to, to shift gears a little bit because I really Mm -hmm. want to talk about your background, uh, of being a comedian and your interest in comedy and how you kind of progressed your career to the point of your standup special. And then what that has been like ever since putting that out and, and, and well, I was going to say in continuing to, to, to tour and to perform, but, but then COVID happened, but yeah, let's just yeah. walk through a little bit of your background. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I was born and raised in Haiti uh, and I spent my childhood there and uh, high school. And I came to the U S in 2008. And when I came, the plan was to do your typical, like when an immigrant comes to America, you you go to college, you get a degree or you work hard. Well, not every immigrant, but in my case, that was the plan. I was lucky enough to be able to do that. And the plan changed completely because there was a massive event in my life around uh, 2010. There was a big earthquake in Haiti and that yes, shifted yes. a lot of things for me. It shifted a lot of perspectives about life, shifted... Uh, what I really wanted to do just like Matt, like financially, I felt guilty about having my parents like support me while I was in college, knowing that they just went through this horror, right? Like 300,000 fellow Haitians just died. So all of that gave me a little bit of an existential crisis and it forced me to ask myself questions like, what do I really want to do with this precious little thing that just, can go in in five seconds because that's what happened to all those folks in Haiti. And I thought, I I don't I don't know that I want to do what I'm doing right now. I don't know that I want to be in business school. That that doesn't bring me any specific kind of joy. It's just something I do because it's respectable and it'll make my parents happy. Right. So I decided, you know what? I'm just gonna do what I wanted to do. And at the time, there was this burgeoning interest in in stand up comedy because I'd moved to America. And I was learning how to speak English properly because we don't really speak English in Haiti. We take English classes, but we speak Haitian Creole and French. Mm. So I was improving my English and I just watched an awful amount of TV. And TV <laughs> introduced me to stand-up comedy. At the time, I would watch a lot of Comedy Central and Jon Stewart and Stephen Colbert <laughs> were the kings of 11 yep. and 1130. Yep. And I learned so much about American culture and American politics and the, the language itself through those guys. Yep. 
and the, the the interest was born. I just kept watching more comedies. I found out about Cat Williams. I discovered George Carlin. I discovered all of the greats. Yep. And the more I watched, the more I thought, I like what these people do. I like the way they think. I like the magic of a person on stage saying things yep. to make a whole room of people laugh. And I thought, at this point, I have to face it. I really want to do this thing. Right. So I decided to drop out of college and pursue it. I love that. That's so awesome. Yeah. Now, the, um, you know, it's, I think we're about the same age. So I'm 33. Are you at, uh, 31, 32? I turned 32 just a few few okay. weeks ago. Okay, yeah. there we go. There we go. It was your birthday during the specials. I was trying to like work backwards in my head. January 3rd <laughs> is my birthday. That is correct. Yeah. So I was trying to go back. But I was, uh, you know, in college in in the, the mid-2000s, like 06. And I remember I was obsessed with Dave Chappelle and Dane Cook and um how could a, you not be I they mean, were fucking awesome i mean they were incredible and i distinctly remember also um, by the way just don't forget your thought can we curse on this i know it's for yeah parents. yeah 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 you're fine okay, right. yeah no worries um so but it it was something where i couldn't i couldn't like it was we were listening to it, we were burning like the the cds the stand-ups as cds and like passing them around and we we're listening like you got to listen to this guy you got to listen to this one i've heard this Chappelle special but not this one this dane cook one this one and it was something about this like rock star quality almost that that it, it like exploded and it was everywhere and i remember um uh, Dane Cook gave an interview on something, and he said it was very bizarre that stand-up comedy just kind of was a movement that everybody was excited about and was, like, talking about and going. And so he's like, stand-up has always been exciting. He was like, but there was just this this fervor around it, and it pushed out a lot of great comedians that we're seeing now. And so it, it was just interesting to me. I know several friends that tried stand-up. I'm using air quotes. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then got a lot of um, heckle, heckling. And yes. then decided to step away. So, so how did you in those kind of first couple of 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 uh, reps? A good, I'll a say, good heckle will destroy your fucking confidence and tear your soul apart because you up there trying to be funny, and sometimes somebody in the audience might say something, yeah. and it's way funnier than anything you were planning to say. At that point, what the fuck do you do? You take it or you? Like you can't, you can't even recover from it. Sure. Cause, cause laughter is involuntary. So the fact <laughs> that everybody in the room agreed to laugh at this person and not you on stage, that means you fucked up. You need to go back to work <laughs> and figure it out. So that was a cool thing. You know, okay. Since we're on the Dane Cook thing, I just want to, uh, Dane Cook has, you know, kind of a little bit of a weird reputation, but a lot of people don't, they don't give him enough credit for being one of the pioneers of, making stand-up as popular because yes. Dan Cook was like the first guy to build a following off of MySpace. Facebook yes. wasn't even a thing. Yeah. That's he where was I a discovered MySpace him before guy. Even yeah. And he built this massive amount of following and sold tickets and was headlining Madison Square Garden yes. within like a couple years. And exactly. he was a rocket ship. He was insanely popular and like you know the college kids fucking love Dan Cook you know now I don't know what he's up to I think he was trying to do a comeback tour before COVID happened but you know no matter what happens he still has that legacy he played that role in the history of stand-up and that's that's a cool thing to have on your belt yep yeah 
I, it is something he's very, he's in a, um, I think he's in a very chill space now. The interview I heard was from, uh, 2019 and okay. he, he was on, um, I don't remember if he was on Dak Shepard's podcast or Michael Rosenbaum's, but regardless, he was he was discussing it and he was talking about his perspective and how it, that was a wild time in his life. And he's kind of evolved and matured as as a, as an individual, he said. But but I appreciated the time and the abilities like I kind of don't even know how it happened. It just happened. And it just kind of kept going. And yeah, and he's very reflective in that in that in good space. But I agree. I don't think he gets I think he was so because it went. And this isn't this isn't the Dayton podcast. This is the TJ podcast. But but I'll just say this point and then move on. Is 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 I think because it went so far so fast, he became a polarizing figure in that people either were all in on his material, like I was, or just really hated him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like he's just a skinny white guy that screams. I'm like, right, but he's hilarious. And then it's like yeah. you know, it's yeah. it's one way or the other. But yeah. But I digress. But how did as you're building the material and as you're starting to 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 perform, because you performed around like the the were you performing in the Brooklyn scene? I'm not, you know, I'm from Texas, so everything is big and wide and expansive. And then mm-hmm. New York, you got the boroughs and you got everything going on. Um, yeah, I'm still trying to wrap my head around geographically, and it's difficult for me um, being down here okay. in the south. So but yeah, I, how did that? Start I started for you? in uh, August 2012, okay. and I start. I made the decision to move back to New York to start in New York because. I felt like that was the right place to do it. And that was the place to learn. And that was the place to grow. You know, it, a lot of people do it the opposite. They go to a smaller town with a smaller scene and they start there and then they come to New York when they're ready. Mm. But I didn't have that luxury because, you know, I had some friends in New York and I thought that's where I lived anyway. So I came back there and I started and it was it was hard. I used to do open mics four or five times a week. I mean, at a day. Wow. Yeah, and you had to pay $5 to do an open mic. So I would spend 20 bucks a day on a regular just to learn the craft. I would write my little five minutes of jokes and then go practice them every day. So you do that. But the, the advantage of being in New York is you get you you get to be around people that are infinitely better than you. So that pushes you to improve whatever it is you're doing. Sure. If every night you go on stage, you see people killing it on levels that you, your your open mic brain cannot even imagine yet. So you have to get to their level, at least try to, so that you can get better. And that was the 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 gift of doing it in New York City. And then there's there's a couple of scenes. Uh, most of the clubs are in Manhattan, and there are bars and alternative venues in Brooklyn. That's kind of what we call them. Brooklyn is kind of known for the alt scene. Okay. But really, it's it's just a label. If you're a funny comedian, you gotta be funny in a club, in a bar, wherever people are and they want to laugh. You have to be able to do that. Sure. So I never like played into that. I thought I, I, I was just a comedian that just did comedy wherever comedy was available. Sure. So I played both the clubs and I did the bar scenes. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and in your in your stand up, I want to get to that here in a moment, but you you, you definitely have a lot of um uh you talk a lot about your family and your, your mom being disappointed in you. Um when you're yeah. going to construct your bits for 
some of these longer shows, uh-huh. what is your decision-making process on what to pull in and how to structure it? I'm, I'm really kind of, I'm, I guess what I'm saying is I'm fascinated by the, by the overall like outline and structuring of a show. So I'm really mm-hmm. curious about like your process for putting that together. You know, it's sometimes it still feels like a mystery to me because you know, it's like when you're doing a dissertation or you're writing a long paper and you have bits and pieces of of informations and, and, and little paragraphs and you're on stage and you're trying stuff out. And sometimes this bit naturally feels good after that bit. Mm. Sometimes in a set, it's like a little comedian secret. You Let's say you're doing a 10-minute uh, set you may have a joke because of the nature of it and the topic of it. It works better eight minutes into your set versus three minutes into your set because you have to construct a narrative and you have to give the audience time to adjust to who you are mm. so that they can go on that journey with you. So if like, let's for instance, that, that bit, I'll, I'll give that one away just because we're talking, there's a bit where I talk about, you know, the thought of murdering a child. Right. I wouldn't put that in the first five minutes of my special because you don't know who I am yet. (laughs) And then here I am, the strange man. Now he's talking about wanting to kill a child. Right. That would be crazy. So I have to build some goodwill with the audience. Sure. So you kind of know, okay, this is what this guy is. He's pretty good at what he's doing. He's, He's got a good handle on it. And now he can take us into uncharted territories and maybe express some dark thoughts and we're willing to go there with him. Sure. sure. So it's all about uh, creating some sort of familiarity because comedy is the, the, the goal of comedy really to me is you're trying to turn a bunch of strangers into your friends for an hour. Uh, I like that. Yeah. So you go up there, these are people who don't know you. And by the time you're done with your show, they kind of want to hang out with you. They feel like they know you because you pull them in. I like that. And that's yeah. that's true. I think back now to all the different shows that I've seen, like taking people like Dave Chappelle and Dane Cook and, and others, right? Taking them out of it and just people I've gone to see at the clubs. Um, the people that I have positive memories about whether I went to go see them or just saw them as part of a lineup, the people I have a good association with, they took me on that journey and built up that goodwill. And then I felt like by the end, I'm like, I could have a drink with this guy. They're fantastic. They're great. They're hilarious. They're talking about, you know, who knows what. Um, But yeah, but there's definitely been some shows I've gone to where somebody has had maybe a five minute set and is opened with a, with a, with a killing joke. And I've been like, Oh, um, interesting choice. Um, interesting choice. Yeah. (laughs) I think, well, again, does, does, does it arc, right? If you, if you become somebody who's well known and you're famous enough, you have a fan base, I think you have more leeway for that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's a good point. But for someone like me, like I'm trying to build something, nobody knows who I am, I wouldn't take that risk. But George Carlin famously opened uh, a special tape that uh, Carnegie Hall 
with a bit that's just so controversial for the time that he did it. The bit, he just went out on stage and he's like, hello, hi, everybody. And they're like, hey, the clapping still. He's like, all right, sit down. Have you ever noticed that people at abortion rallies are people you didn't want to fuck in the first place? He just started a special oh with that line. Oh, my God. Like, it's abortion like, is a pretty right. tough one. He's like, yeah, that's how I'm going to start. So... But he was George Carlin already. Right. So right. you get to yeah. have that because yeah. the people know you. You don't right. fuck around. Let's right. just get to it. Yeah. I like it. It's good. And, you know, it, it is a good point about the, the arc of storytelling because in reality, you know, comedy is is another art form. Like stand-up comedy I'm talking about mm-hmm. is another art form. And you've got to have the storytelling element. I think I've seen a lot of folks, friends in, friends of mine included, who are like, I'm I'm a generically funny person. I can just tell jokes. And it's like, right, well, I think it's there's more to it. There's there's a storytelling aspect, there's a journey aspect, there's a whole connection aspect. Like it's just the same as so I got my undergrad degree in theater. And so when you're doing theater, whether improv or scripted or musical, there's a journey, there's storytelling. You've got all these components. You look at a movie, you got everything. This podcast, I'm trying to have some some structure, some storytelling elements, right? And so we wouldn't just come on and just like, go back and forth with facts i mean we could but like that would just be people talking and it would be recorded and it's like where's the where's the structure where's the art right where's the what pulls you in right human right. beings like stories yes yes like okay i have jokes and they're like disjointed not connected i have to build some sort of emotional connection to the people that i'm talking to for them to actually want to listen to me right and then my job is to structurally hide jokes in there so that I keep you interested. And then when you close with a callback, it just gets me every time. Oh, yeah. People love love callbacks. (laughs) Callbacks, uh, (laughs) they love them. (laughs) I'm I'm a sucker for a callback. I can't help it. I can't help it. You know, it's – I want to – so let's – let's on that note, let's talk Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) – speaking of callbacks, let's go to your special, January 3rd. And I want to know what was your motivation for creating it? What was the process like? And what has the reception been like since releasing it? Okay, well – the I've been I've been doing stand up for eight years now. I started in uh, twenty. Well, actually, it's gonna be a little bit. Yeah, it's about it's gonna be nine years soon. But I started in twenty. Uh, I think you said August twenty twelve. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. So I've been doing that, just building and learning how to get better and getting better, working at the clubs in and out, like doing nine shows in a weekend, just doing all of that groundwork and then noticing yourself improving and feeling that confidence. Like I kind of, I know a little bit more now what I'm doing when I'm on stage. Sure. As opposed to like the first two, three years where you're like, I'm just going to go see how this goes. Right. And then now you're like, all right, I kind of, I kind of know a little bit how this might go. I have a feeling. You learn how to study a crowd. You learn how to read a room. You learn how this crowd is going to react to you just based on how they reacted to the comedian before you. So there's, so there's a lot of sociological aspects of it that happened. And so I was feeling pretty good and I felt uh, that I had a solid uh, stack of material and I wanted to put it out somewhere. But the nature of the business is no one is going to come and check for you if you're not famous or 
they don't somebody didn't choose you to be the next whatever right so i i i had some of those moments but you know nothing that stuck so i thought you know what i have to believe in myself instead of waiting for anyone to give me a shot right so i decided i'm gonna run that hour a couple of times in new york city i did a bunch of shows like booked them all myself produced them all myself and build the hour to a point where i felt confident about it and i said i'm gonna record an album in the special and i'm gonna invest my own money in it and then i'll see what happens when i'm done the goal was again we go back to the the control idea right i can control whether someone at netflix likes me or not but i can control me working my ass off and uh, promoting a show and having a bunch of people come and then i can record an hour in front of them that i can control Yep. So I did the part that I could control and we got a good show. I got some good friends that give me a great discount. I shot the special for less than 10K, which is unheard of. Awesome. We got four cameras and we had a sound engineer. Everything was like as nicely as it could have gone for like a first timer. Yeah. And we had about 140 people in the audience and I was very happy with that. And so I recorded it and then I, I got a first cut, got my editor going. And I was like, you know, this is not that bad. I'm actually, I'm happy with this. So let's see what we can do. So I reached out to a couple of networks, you know, as usual. They were like, mm, you don't have enough Instagram followers. You're not famous enough. It doesn't matter. So I reached out to this great company called Comedy Dynamics. They're an independent comedy distribution company. And they were really into it. And they said, let's do it. So I signed with them for distribution and they managed to get it on uh, Amazon Prime. And even to this day, we're still uh, shopping it around because right now it's it's available on Amazon Prime on demand and to to purchase. But we're still trying to get it somewhere where it's free for everybody because there's so much free content in the world that to have something on demand, you know, it kind of puts you in a difficult position. Sure. Yeah. If you're not famous. Right. But also I spend money on this. I don't want to just put it out for free. Right. So I want someone to invest in it so it can be for free while they give me money for it. So of that's course. what we're trying to do right now. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Well, as we're getting ready to pivot to the the final segments of the show, I want to ask you if someone's listening and they do want to start a career or I would say start the process of breaking into the scene, the stand-up comedian mm-hmm. scene, what would be some, some pieces of advice that you would give them to be mindful of? The first, the first piece of advice I want to give is uh, uh, you should think long and hard about why you want to understand that. And if you actually want to understand that, because it's a it's a very difficult road and it's a it's a lonely road, so don't just do it to oh I want to impress my ex girlfriend. That's not gonna sustain you yeah. for eight years of like grinding and writing jokes and finding your own motivation. That's not gonna do it. Right? Is this something you love and you feel like you want to do it because it feeds your soul and does something you want to say? Like so that. if all the answers to those questions are yes, then Check out what your local scene is. Check out, uh, watch a lot of specials. C- comedy is one of those things you you 
learn first by watching people do it and then you learn by doing there's almost no shortcut to it you can't just go up there and be like all right well i studied this now let me put it into practice right doesn't work like that you just got to learn by doing it's trial and error so you got to be willing to do that and you got to know there's no such thing as quick easy money in comedy so don't do it because you're trying to get rich or get famous i like it very cool yeah good advice good advice well uh, we are going to transition to one of the final segments. The first one up is Things to Check Out. It's a segment where I ask my guests, what's one thing you're reading and one thing you're listening to? And I will go first. So who are you reading? Who are you listening to? Uh, for me, uh, right now, the book that I'm currently reading is One Life by Megan Rapino. It is her memoirs, uh, autobiography of sorts. I'm a huge soccer fan. So it was right up oh, my I'm alley. I'm a huge soccer fan. That's great. Yeah. I, uh, so I, uh, uh, my dad has worked for FC Dallas since 1996, since the league started. So I grew up going to MLS games and loving MLS. And then and I kind of did a reverse soccer fan thing where I love the American League first and then learned about the EPL and and the Bundesliga. That's unheard and I, of. I know, that know, is. <laughs> but well, I, actually, that's great because then your expectations are so low right. because the American League is trash compared to what they do in Europe. And it then is. you go over there and your right. mind gets blown. Yeah. I tell this you, is perfect. I tell you, what, I studied overseas in England for a semester in college and it was insane. I loved it. I, I could only manage to go to a, champ, a championship game and I got to see Millwall, which they uh, have their own fan problem. But while I was there, it was great. They won, got a scarf, loved it. So that's technically my club now, although I'm aware of all the problematic nature that goes along with the group of people oh who are very oh pro Boris Johnson. But anyways, I, let's not talk about them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a huge, huge soccer fan and uh, absolutely love it. So uh, her memoir. By the way, 2026, the World yes! Cup is in North America. I'm so And it's excited. always been a dream of mine to go to a World Cup. So Same. I won't even have to travel for it. In about yes. five years, baby, it's going to oh, be here. I'm so excited. I believe, I don't know if they've chosen the stadiums or not yet. Um, or if they have. I feel they have. Like, the okay, the right. final of the World Cup, I think, happens in my backyard. It happens yes. in New Jersey. Yes, that's right. The Meadowlands Stadium. Yes, that's right. One of the yeah. one one or a few of them are going to be at AT and T Stadium right over here in Arlington, um, mm -hmm. and so that's um you know cross my fingers I get to go to that, and so that's yeah so right up yeah. right up there. Um, so that's that's what I'm reading. What I'm listening to. Uh, since I talked about it earlier, I'll give a plug. Inside of you, a podcast by Michael Rosenbaum. If you don't know who he was, he was Lex Luthor on Smallville. Did other things, but that's what he's most famous for. And specifically, since we're talking about comedy, he did two interviews. He did a couple of interviews with Bobby Lee that were very great and very funny. Mm -hmm. And then Joe, I think his last name is Roy. He has a special on. I don't know if it's Amazon or Netflix. He has a special somewhere, but his his interview. It's either Joe Roy or Joe Coy. My phone is in the other room. But Joe Coy, Filipino Coy. comedian. Yes, that's yes. right, Joe Coy. Fantastic dude. Yeah. Yeah. So both of those interviews are great. I would recommend starting there. Um, but yeah, inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum. So TJ, who are what are you reading and what are you uh, listening to right now? Uh, I'm actually currently reading. It's kind of a classic of. It's called On Human Nature Ooh. by E.O. Wilson. It's it's a classics of uh, sociology, anthropology slash philosophy of biology. There's a lot of stuff going on, but it's I'm really enjoying it. And uh, yeah, I would highly recommend that book. I haven't finished it yet, but I'm really happy with it. And I'm really loving the insights that I'm getting to it. I, I, I spent a lot of time reading stuff that have nothing to do with comedy. Sure. 
and just to get my mind going into places where a comedian wouldn't go and it, it takes me to very interesting places so i love knowing that i like it um what am i listening to right now i regularly listen to the sam harris podcast mm. it's, it's called uh making sense with sam harris he's a uh, neurophysicist and he's a meditation teacher. He's got a really good app called the Waking Up, the Waking Up Course. Oh, okay. Where he yep. teaches people like beginning meditation courses. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. I love it. Great recommendations. All right, we're going to transition to the final segment of the show. It is the Dad Joke of the Week. It is a segment where I hurl dad jokes at my unsuspecting guests in an attempt to get them to laugh while the audience groans. But I can't hear my audience. I can only hear my guests, so it works out. But I do like to put my guests on the spot. And typically, there's nobody on who has a history of comedy. But TJ, I, I got to ask you, do you have any dad jokes or just jokes that you would like to offer up today? <laughs> uh, I'm sure I can find a couple. Sure. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I will go first. So, uh, uh, so uh, TJ, I want to know uh, why did the man name his dogs Rolex and Timex? I don't know why. Because they were watchdogs. See, they were watchdogs. Rolex and Timex. They was all right. All right. Ah, all right. Ah, that's all right. pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> uh, debatable. What's the best way to watch a fly fishing tournament? Best way to watch a fly fishing tournament. What's the best way? Oh, well, it's a live stream. See, it's a it's a live <laughs> live stream. All right, last one. Last one. Oh, why don't crabs? give to charity because they're shellfish yes there it is they are <laughs> shellfish there it is <laughs> uh, all right well tj if uh, people want to follow you and see what you're up to what's the best way for them to do that i'm uh, at tj stand up on uh twitter and instagram i'm mostly active on instagram so find me on there and you can find the link to everything that I've made and produced. You can find all of my work there at TJ Stand Up. At TJ Stand Up. And that is important because I went to search for you on Instagram the other day and it took me a little bit longer. And then I was like, I wonder if I just put in TJ Stand Up. There it was right away. I felt like a fool. There but there it is at TJ Stand Up. Well, TJ, this has been absolutely fantastic. I love this discussion. We do need a hashtag for this episode. And. I wrote down, although it's a little long, I put hashtag everybody loves a callback. That's a little long. We could go <laughs> it's with. It's not bad. It's not bad. <laughs> um, so we could do hashtag everybody loves a callback, or we could do uh, hashtag January 3rd. Um, mm. So, you know, in, in, in terms of selfish reasons, I'm going to go ahead and say uh, hashtag January 3rd. I baby. love it. I love it. I love it. Well, TJ, thank you again so much for being on the show. I am hopeful we can get you back on the show here sometime in the future. This has been absolutely great and I love it. And it's been fantastic. And I'm excited. Thanks for having me, Joe. I appreciate it. Of course. I'm hopeful we can get your your special on a platform where folks can partake in it. But in the meantime, feel free to go get it on demand. It'll be in the show notes. you got to do it. I promise you'll enjoy it. Um, yes. Go ahead and rent yes. it or purchase it. I get 60% of that money. So that's Perfect. your way to support me immediately right there. There it is. There it is. All right. Well, listeners. Uh, I will be back next week with another great episode. But until then, hashtag January 3rd. And as always, I will hashtag be a better dad. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at detoxpodcast or visit detoxpodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. 
It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com.